You're listening to XVGM Radio. Welcome to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Justin. And I'm Mike. And this is episode 56, Homework. Ooh. Ooh, what could it mean? Well, we'll tell you. What could it mean now? So, <laughs> this is another weird one. We're, we're going with a lot of experimental stuff here that uh, I think this is your idea. I'm it almost positive. Been. Yeah, I'm almost positive yeah. this was your idea. And I think you came at it from one perspective, and I think when you approached me about it, I, like, tweaked it a little bit, and then, like, we had gold. And I really think that this episode is going to be really cool, because what the premise is, is we'll be picking a game for the other person, okay? And then that person has to pick a song from the soundtrack, and we put in, like, a little brief description for each thing that we picked (laughs) as to why you chose what you chose for that person. And that that is pretty much the name of the game. Yep, that's the name of the episode, really. Yeah, homework. Yeah, they have to go and do do their homework. Yeah. Uh, I will say, this this episode felt like less homework than our continued (laughs) themes episode. I mean, I had a lot more fun with this one, I think mostly because the time restriction wasn't uh, wasn't a thing. Like, with the continued themes, uh, I was very much trying to find tracks that were of a certain length or longer mm-hmm. and that that really limited me because a lot of the a lot of the tracks were just like 10 second clips and yeah. there's no way that was really really gonna fly with us i know i know so, so the track that we came in on obviously mike and i usually pick a, a song or a game and a song together yeah. for the intro but because of the topic here we split it up a little bit mike picked a game from a game that neither of us had played from a system that was somewhat semi-obscure. Yeah. And then I picked the track off of it just to find something that was cool. So, uh, Mike, why don't you introduce the uh, game and track? Yeah, sure. So the game that we played a track from just now was Treasure of the Usas, and that came out on the MSX in 1987. Uh, The track name was Stage 4. That's the track that Justin picked. And it's by Kinyo Yamashita... Now, supposedly, she was the primary composer, but there's special thanks in the credits given to several other composers who were regulars at that time 
on the sound team for Konami, such as Iku Mizutani, who's my favorite composer, um, <laughs> Motowaki Furukawa, and Kazuhiko Uihara. We've talked about those other three on the on the episodes before, so we'll, we probably won't really mention too much of them, but Kinyu Yamashita is the star of this game for sure. This game is a interesting little game. The reason I picked this is that the theme of the game is discovering treasure, which is exactly what we're kind of trying to do overall here. So we're trying to discover songs that we wouldn't normally look for, and this one... Honestly, I I never heard of this game. I never heard of the soundtrack. I never heard of anything. And I specifically was like, let me look up something on the MSX. That's what I did. I specifically was like, I want to try to find something on the MSX computer system. So it's a, like an 8-bit computer system. Uh, sequel to it was the MSX2. Uh, lots and lots of Konami games on there, and one of which is Treasure of the Usas. It's only been ported once outside of the MSX, and that was on the Wii U. It got ported to the Wii U on on Japan only. So if you crack your Wii U, you can download uh, or put this ROM on there. Uh, Which really, I mean, if you're going to do that, just download the emulator for the MSX and download for the users. So (laughs) uh, I believe there's a fan translation. So that's always good. But yeah, this is a cool little platform game. It's about these characters, Wit and Kless. And they are trying to find this broken jewel to uh, try to find a discovery uh, in uh, their... Because they're like academics or uh, and they're trying to find this uh, jewel so that way they can discover something lost to their uh, academia. So it's an adventure action game and there's five stages in it. But uh, they each have different things that you can do with the characters. I'm trying to remember the specifics of each character. I think one character jumps higher and can attack in a different way like with projectiles. And then the other is like I, I think they have like an Indiana Jones kind of whip sort of thing i i haven't played this one personally but it looks really cool and uh i i did learn that this game was pretty much the sole influence behind the la mulana series oh really yeah the la mulana games took a lot of influence from treasure of usas that's good to know yeah uh the original version of la mulana has uh references to the msx I think it's the PC version. I remember back in the day because uh, our mutual friend Brian is a huge La Milana fan and he turned me on to the game and I remember downloading it and playing it and I remember like the book that you get in the game because there's like this like special book. It's kind of like the book that Penny has in Inspector Gadget. Inspector Gadget, yeah. Like that sort of thing. Uh, I may be totally wrong. It's been years since I played it, but it's it's modeled after an MSX computer. So it's pretty, pretty neat. Neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've been hearing about La Mulana 2 uh, mostly recently yep. because uh, Purnell has been playing it from Rhythm and Pixels. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, both he and I got it at the same time because we got the La Mulana 1 and 2 uh, Switch mm. box set thing that came out. I'm really excited to play it, but at the same time, I'm just so overwhelmed with so many games right now that I just it's on the back burner. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to chip away at Final Fantasy VII Remake. So You haven't finished it yet? I have not. I am on like chapter 6, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you got a lot going on. I, I, I can't hold that against you. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to move. So yep. as we're recording this, I'm in the middle of uh, wrapping up things at my house. I'm going to be moving into a bigger house. And uh, there's going to be lots of painting in my future. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so yeah. Treasure of the Usus, 
Really neat game. Kinyo Yamashita is the lead composer on this one. She is mostly famous for, let's see, Castlevania, the original Castlevania Akamajo Dracula. She's famous for Mega Man X3. She did the soundtrack, the original soundtrack on that. She was with Konami for a really long time, and then she ended up for like a couple years at least, and then she ended up leaving and going over to Natsume. And so she she moved over with Ikumizutani and uh, Hiroyuki Iwatsuki and like all those composers. Not that Iwatsuki was with Konami, he wasn't. But you know, all these composers, Natsumi kind of you know got these lead composers who were just fantastic in their own right and kind of all put them together and they made so many amazing soundtracks for the <laughs> NES, the Super NES, the uh, uh, Game Boy, the Game Boy Color, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, Game Boy Advance. So. There's uh, there's a ton of really good stuff that they all worked on together. She also did uh, the soundtrack for Ghost Sweeper Mikami, I believe, which is a uh, really fun Super Famicom game. And I don't know, we'll do one more. She did both the Power Blade 1 and Power Blade 2 games on the NES. I was hoping you are going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love those soundtracks. They're so good. So this song is, yeah. I mean, what, what did you think of this song? Well, so I picked it because uh, I liked it, obviously. There was a lot of really good stuff <laughs> on that soundtrack, actually. Yeah. But this one, I don't know, there's something about this song that stood out to me from the other ones. It sounded like sort of like a chiptune version of like a metal song. Like I, in my mind, I could hear like a lot of other stuff sort of building off of this and, okay. and being just like this really kind of hard song. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why my, why my mind went that way because uh, listening to it, a number of times like there, there's other directions that that you can kind of go with it yeah but i don't know the first time i heard it i just kind of got this like metal vibe from it interesting i got more of a worldly vibe uh like a hmm. world music or like uh, a really heavy atmosphere of like the incan temples like that sort of thing because that's really what they were going for on a visual aesthetic and i think that that's what they were going for here musically as well it just felt very like worldly and I know that's kind of a hmm. weird way to describe it but it it felt especially I think there's a part in the song where there's like some it almost sounds like like um, steel drums or like toms uh, let's not say steel drums let's say like kettle drums like dong dong like that sort of thing and it, it kind of caught my ear and it kind of made me perk up and go wait was that supposed to be like kettle drums or something like that or some sort of like uh, <laughs> tribal drums so I I, I don't know I I I felt like this one could be interpreted in multiple ways, but yeah. uh, it's it's always interesting the the video game music journey trying to uh, I don't know di- di- like Are you genre plugging place. Alex's show. Sorry. Are you plugging Alex's show? Uh, no, I wasn't playing. <laughs> <laughs> I just so happened to use the words VGM and Journey together. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Alex Messenger who does uh, VGM Journey. Great show. But yeah, no, I, I I feel like it's an interesting path that you take when you listen to a song because something that I hear where I try to genre place something will be something that you hear and it'll be a totally different genre. So it's kind of yeah, neat. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that happens very often, but uh, mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is a perfect example of, of when it does and, and how interesting it is when it uh, when it when it does that. For sure, yeah. But, so yeah. let's uh, let's get into your first pick, which is the the game that I picked for you. So what is your first pick? All right, so Mike picked for me Gradius Five. 
This came out in the PS2 in 2004. Uh, the track that I picked out of it is uh, called High Speed, also known as Stage 7, and it's composed by Hitoshi Sakimoto. Ooh.
Welcome back. That was High Speed Stage 7 from Gradius 5. That came out on the PS2 in 2004 and was composed by Hitoshi Sakamoto. That's right. I didn't even know that that was composed by Hitoshi Sakamoto. No? No. I had no idea. Yeah, Hitoshi Sakamoto. I picked this one because you always go for Gradius 3. I do. And I know it's your favorite game, but I wanted you to explore Gradius Beyond 3. I wanted you to spread those wings. Yeah, and, and you, I did, you, and it was, it was it was good. The, this is a really good soundtrack, and I know that I haven't played this game. I have seen it. I don't think I've even seen it played. Like, I've seen gameplay stuff, but I've yeah. never been in the same room as this game, as far as I remember. Mm-hmm. But after looking it up, uh, I do want to get it, because it looks like a lot of fun. Like, it looks very similar to what I remember having fun with in Gradius 3, but, you know, PS2 style, the graphics are a lot better. The music is a lot better. I don't know if I'd say it's a lot better. It's, it's mm-hmm. different. It's, it's it's Redbook Audio as opposed yeah. to, you know, the SNES sound chip. Right. But it it's it's better in, in certain ways. Like, I, I love the music of Gradius 3, but this just has some really cool qualities to it. Like, I really love the breakbeat stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say that, yeah. Yeah, the guitars are, are kind of funky. They actually remind me of some of the music from like Guilty Gear at, at certain times. Like okay. not this not the track overall, but the, some of the guitars remind me of like Guilty Gear. And I also get like a kind of like a cowboy bebop or trigun type vibe, which okay. makes sense because you know space. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking in terms of the time that it was made. I mean, I know we've talked about this before on the show, but breakbeat and that sort of like chemical brothers juno reactor like that whole like era of electronic music was so big and so popular that every game composer had this vibe this like too cool for school kind of like <laughs> you know extreme guitar wailing in the background while you've got these crazy break beats going i was digging this track a lot and I like that it kind of starts off a little bit more energetic at first, mm-hmm. and there's more like things going on with the synths in the background, and those kind of take the lead. And then as the track kind of morphs into that breakbeat, it pops in with that guitar, and it just sounds really good. So I was definitely enjoying this one, and I think it's a unique pick. I also think it's weird to hear Hitoshi Sakimoto do non-Genesis stuff because I'm so, (laughs) I'm such an old school fan of Hitoshi Sakimoto's, like all the stuff that he was putting out on the Genesis was just like out of this world good, you know, between, you know, the arrangement for Midnight Resistance and uh, Gauntlet 4. Tactics Ogre. Ta- well, that's more new, newer school, but yeah. Uh, well, 1993, really? Oh, Tactics Ogre came out in 93? Wow, I'm thinking yeah, of the Ogre. SNES. I'm thinking of Ogre Battle, but uh, ogre yeah, Battle that's, that's more on the as well. <laughs> That's more on the Super NES side of oh, things. I mean, you know what? I'm thinking of Ogre Battle 64. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. I was like, there's Ogre Battle on the PS1. There's Ogre Battle 64. There's yeah. Tactics Ogre. There's a lot of Ogre games. <laughs> yeah. You're a lot of Ogre games. Nice. Sick nice. burn, bro. <laughs> so, yeah. No, he's done so much good for the Genesis. Uh, Very Tex. That's another really, really good <laughs> game soundtrack. 
So, uh, yes. and he's still working to this day. I mean, it's it's crazy how many soundtracks this guy has done and how legendary his music is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most recently, uh, since we've already gone through uh, <laughs> the older part of his resume, <laughs> his most recent contributions were in 2018. He did a music composition and arrangement on Valkyria Chronicles 4, and mm-hmm. he did sound production and direction on Dragon's Crown Pro. Mm-hmm. Yep, too true. So, yeah, really cool stuff from Hitoshi Sakimoto. I don't own this one. I've, I think I've played it once before. My buddy Wes just reviewed, reviewed it on Nefarious West on his oh, YouTube yeah. channel. Mm-hmm. And like uh, a couple months ago, and I really dug the review and the game since watching that has kind of been in the back of my head where I'm like, got to get this game, got to get this game. And I haven't gotten it yet. So maybe this will finally, after listening to this song, will be the final push to to get me to go purchase it. Yeah, I'm actually going to pick it up for PS2. As a a fan of Gradius, like I own Gradius 1, I own Gradius 3. Uh, I'll probably grab this. And then at some point I need to figure out how to... I mean, aside from just ROMs, I need to figure out how, how I can grab Gradius 2 and 4. Word. Yeah. I would definitely say for 2, because 2 is, I believe, on the Famicom, yes. I think? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really good. So definitely check that out on that one, too. All right. So now we're moving into my pick, or rather your pick for me. Uh, <laughs> this is a game called D-Mouse. Not Die Mouse. D-Mouse. <laughs> And it's a German game that came out for the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color in 1998 and 1999, respectively. This is BGM 06, and it's by one of the best composers on the Game Boy, Alberto Jose Gonzalez.
Guten Tag. That was D Mouse. That came out in 1998 and 1999, respectively, on the Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Uh, the track was BGM06, and it was by Lord and Master of Game Boy Music, Alberto Jose Gonzalez. This is a game I've never heard of, and <laughs> I am so glad that you found it because it's it's got a, a really amazing soundtrack, which is no surprise. Yep. Why did you pick this one? Specifically, you and I, whenever when we were talking about VGM, Alberto Jose Gonzalez comes up a lot, particularly if yeah. we're ever talking about uh, the Game Boy and stuff. And I, I took yes. a look back, and I don't <laughs> think we've actually played anything by him on the entire show in all 55, no. 56 episodes. No, that's impossible. We've definitely played if... It, it, you know what? It could subconsciously be mm-hmm. because I've really been trying to get him on our mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of put the feelers out every so often. There's a couple composers that we kind of talk to now and then that show interest and really like us and everything. But they are either too shy or their English isn't, you know, they don't think their English is up to speed, you know, that sort of thing. So it's like one of those things where I'm like, yo, could I maybe get somebody to get? I think he's Spanish. He's either Spanish or Portuguese. I think he's Spanish. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, can I get somebody who speaks Spanish who can maybe, you know, help us out? <laughs> As like a translator? So, I yeah. So I've like, I feel like I've been holding back on my love for our Alberto Jose Gonzalez's work because it is really, really good. He's just such a great composer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. What do you think of this song? I, I really enjoyed this one. I think you picked a really good one. The opening mm-hmm. of this... It reminds me a lot of the music from Final Fantasy One on the NES, but particularly, okay. yeah, but particularly like the opening sound has, has some similarities to like the Cornelia track, which is the the the, the first town that you encounter, and mm-hmm. it, it just it, it it gave me a lot of the, the like Final Fantasy feels. Um, and then as uh, as we were listening in, like maybe about halfway into it, uh, I I recognized like the way that he was using arpeggios. Like I, I didn't process them as arpeggios at first and, and then mm-hmm. when i heard them they just kind of exploded <laughs> like it was like when, <laughs> when it kind of blew your mind yeah yeah no it was really cool and, yeah. and like overall i get kind of like a, a traveling vibe from this song like it, it, this yes. feels kind of like you know we're, we're we're on the road going from one place to another i get a very somber vibe from it as well like if you put this out on the master system i think it would flourish but you know the the lead like like it's very towny town type music in an rpg so i get that vibe but yeah i also get the walking journey as well so interesting little track. There were a bunch of tracks off this that I really, really wanted to pick. <laughs> but this one kind of won out in the end because, you know, I'm always the type who always picks like the super energetic stuff. And I wanted to, you know, show off something that was a little bit more somber. So I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Nice. Yeah. And that was uh, the, the other the other half of why I picked this game was uh, we talk about Alberto Jose Gonzalez. And uh, I just wanted to give you something that was a little bit off the beaten path, because I think we usually talk about his like Looney Tunes related games. Uh, and yeah, Looney Tunes, Turok, yep. uh, his Turok Game Boy games are really good for the soundtracks. The games are eh, they're OK. <laughs> some of them are really some of them are, are a lot better than the earlier ones, like three and wait. Rage Wars are really, really fun. Mm-hmm. But like two is and one is well, yeah. 
So I, I would also like those are my official ratings. <laughs> I would also like to clarify: <laughs> we have played Alberto Jose Gonzalez before. One song on the Game Boy episode with Nico, we uh, we played a track from Turok Battle of the Bionosaurs. Yep. So, okay, that makes sense. So we, yeah, and that was I think his pick too. Yeah, I, I think so. so yeah, so, yeah we, I'm almost positive that was his pick. Yeah, yeah so, and I think it was one of those things where it was like Nico's coming on the show; he's gonna play Alberto. <laughs> so I was like, I'm gonna hold off. That makes sense. So yeah, that's. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I really do think subconsciously I've been holding off on, on picking him, but uh, I don't know or don't think that the interview will happen anytime soon. So, you know, maybe I'll start picking a little bit more going forward. Yeah, we got to get him out um, there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. D-Mouse is an action game slash puzzle game. It's based on a German kids show. Uh, the German kids show is uh, is is called Die Sendung mit der Maus. Sorry, I had to use my best Rammstein to uh, to say it. <laughs> and what does that translate to, Mike? Uh, the show with the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Very specific. Thank you, Germany. Yes, Die Sendung mit der Maus. I'm waiting for the guitars to come in. Some warbly keys, seeing some some sick drums. Anyways, yeah, so this game, you play as a mouse and an elephant, and you're searching for a duck who has disappeared. <laughs> uh, it's kind of an isometric style, and uh, both the elephant and the mouse have to reach the exit by using their different abilities. The elephant is able to push heavy objects, and the mouse can be a mouse and be small. <laughs> small, <laughs> small can be small. So there's like 150 puzzles in five different worlds. It's pretty wacky. It's very colorful, but the colors are very like bright, but there's not a lot going on. Like the the backgrounds are like the shrubbery and everything and like the levels are pretty detailed, but the characters are kind of meh with the detail and uh, the background like the it's like blue skies you know throughout most of the game so uh, it's a very happy cheery kind of kids game so yeah there's a, I feel like there's a big difference between the Game Boy and Game Boy Color versions not that they look mm-hmm. very different but just the addition of color makes such yeah. a difference on, on this oh, game oh for sure like it looks oh, good on absolutely. the Game Boy but uh, it's just like when you see it in color, you're like, wow, I didn't really. Yeah. It's, what's the name of that movie? Uh, Pleasantville. It's a very Pleasantville moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, it's just like worlds of difference. There's other levels, too, that you can go in. Like there's uh, indoor levels where there's like desks and, you know, there's like uh, what looks to be like a kitchen and yeah, some woodland areas and whatnot. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's all in German. So, um, you know, as far as the actual like uh, script or the introduction. Uh, but the game play itself, I think you'd be able to play the game without having to worry about, you know, not understanding. Yeah, I mean, there there is a language option. Yeah, you, you can put it in German, French, English, or Spanish. Oh, snap, English. Cool. <laughs> I, uh, I'll have to check this out. It, it's, I mean, like, the music is really good. The rest of the tracks are great, but it was really tough picking just one. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, so what did I pick for you this time around? All right, so the next game is going to be one that I had never heard of. It's called Albert Odyssey, Legend of Eldian. Is it, is it Eldeen or Eldian? Eldeen. I think it's Eldeen, okay. but... Yeah, uh, Albert yeah. Odyssey, Legend of Eldeen. This came out on the Sega Saturn in 1996. The track I chose is called Another Loan, with a question mark at the end, and it was <laughs> composed by Naoki Kodaka. Thank you. 
Hey, hey, that was another loan from Albert Odyssey, Legend of Eldeen. And that was the Sega Saturn 1996 release by Naoki Kodaka. Indeed. Yeah, this yes. is one of his last games. Really? Yeah, mm. yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll let you fill in the blanks as far as that goes. But uh, you yeah. never heard of this one, huh? No, Albert Odyssey. I mean, I, I know the name Albert. That was the name of my father-in-law. Okay, okay. It's funny because I really thought you knew of this one because so Justin and I have a bunch of shared history friends uh, <laughs> one of his best friends uh, this girl Heather and I who actually Heather was I think voiced uh, somebody in one of she, our she's voiced a few a, yeah she's voiced a few characters for us yes yeah so Heather and I went to college together and we were on the newspaper together. And mm -hmm. so I, you know, was, uh, I think I was sort of, but not really in their anime club. Like I would hang out in the school's anime club, like around them, but I don't think I was ever actually in their anime club. <laughs> but like I came to, to know Heather and considered her a friend and everything. And uh, she's a cool person and uh, she's super into anime and games and everything. And we really hit it off. So, uh, years later, when I met Justin through a different mutual friend, Heather kind of showed up at a party, and I was like, what are you doing here? And she's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I know Justin. And she was like, I know Justin. And we were like, okay, cool. So it was just one of those things. But anyway, the reason why I bring this up is a couple years ago, I think it was, uh, she reached out to me uh, like out of the blue and was like, she knew I was a VGM fan, and she was like, do you have the soundtrack to Albert Odyssey? for the Saturn and I was like I don't but I can get it for you and she's like oh my god you'd be my hero and I was like all right cool <laughs> so I sent it to her and she was like oh my god thank you so I naturally assumed that you two had a conversation about it because I would have figured that maybe because I don't think she's actually in any of our uh any of the podcast stuff that I've done privately in terms of the groups so I think it was like one of those things where or at least I thought it was one of those things where like she reached out to you privately and was like, do you know anybody who would have the soundtrack to Albert Odyssey? And you would be like, yeah, Mike does. So <laughs> I don't know that that might've been a thing that happened, but if, if so, it was, it was literally that, that one instance and, okay. and nothing else. So like I, either I pointed her to you or she just knows that you do a lot of stuff around VGM and was just right. like, Mike might know about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like you, you ever have like, little conversations with yourself about other people in mm -hmm. your own head. Like I just pictured like both of you kind of sitting down somewhere and be like, you know, her being like, you know, does Mike have the soundtrack to Albert Odyssey? And you being like, what's Albert Odyssey? And she's like, well, and she like rolls out the red carpet to like explain what Albert Odyssey is. And uh, and then you kind of stare at her blankly and then go, cool. Uh, I don't know. Ask Mike. So that's like the entire conversation that I had in my head. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. <laughs> keep that. That's, uh, that's yeah. probably way, way better than what actually happened, because I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I picked oh. this for you <laughs> because I was curious on your thoughts on this one. And it'll be interesting to dive into Sunsoft and Naoki Kodaka post third and fourth generations. So this is mm. a... RPG that came out for the Saturn by Sunsoft. It was originally actually it did come out on the Super NES and then it was ported to the Saturn and they like revamped it and changed it and stuff and it's a strategy game and it's a you know a JRPG and it kind of got mixed reviews but it is a super duper expensive game. 
Hmm. You take the, on the role of a character named Pike, who is a teenager, and his family was murdered by monsters uh, while he was still a baby. So he was raised by these harpies, the these like winged people, like winged human people. And then 10 years later, his sister, his adopted sister, is turned to stone by a evil you know, wizard or warlock or whatever. The typical story of gathering up heroes to try to find a cure for the stone thing, which is, by the way, uh, I'm pretty sure the entire plot of Star Ocean, where like everyone's turning to stone and then like the yeah, the first Star Ocean game. And so like the first characters that you encounter, they're like, we got to find a cure. And then they go to space. So uh, <laughs> that doesn't happen here. They, they have to revive a god, this ancient god by the name of Vlag. So they stay terrestrial. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, they discover a plot by a group of evil magicians uh, to turn the world's races against each other and revive Vlog. So Vlog is like the Lavos of uh, the game. Mm. So, yep, pretty wacky stuff. I've not really played this one. I do own it on the uh, on the, on the Saturn. If, Saturn if you, yeah. this is a Working Designs published game, mm. so that means there's you know glossy print everywhere and all kinds of crazy stuff on the packaging. What do you think of this track? Uh, I really liked it. So this was definitely one of the shorter tracks from the game. Mm-hmm. But the, the the reason that I picked this one is it just immediately like leaped out at me as, as soon as I heard it. it. It reminds me of something from Sherlock Holmes. And I, I don't know if that's the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, the <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, BBC Sherlock Holmes. Probably both, I would say, uh, to mixture, be completely honest. Mixture, mixture of both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it just the um, what the heck is that? The, the instrument. It's not a shamisen. <laughs> it is. But it's a shamisen. It probably is, knowing us. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I don't know. That it's, it's, it's just so reminiscent of the music from, from the, those movies and, and that, that BBC series mm-hmm. that I just got stuck on it. And there's probably other stuff that I could have pulled from this that would have been longer and more intricate. But uh, I really enjoyed the Sherlock Holmes theming. <laughs> cool. So this composer, Naoki Kodaki, is... Yeah. This is he's the Sunsoft guy. He is the Dat Sunsoft bass guy. He's Dat guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he he started with uh, doing music in Dead Zone in 1986, mm-hmm. uh, and then went on to do all these other great games. Spy Hunter 1987. He was uncredited for that. Uh, Platoon in 1988. I think we talked about that somewhat recently. On uh, yeah, on the 80s episode, the 80s, 80s. license the in the 80s. Yep, exactly. So, mm-hmm. uh, Blaster Master in 1988, Batman the Video Game in 1989, Gremlins 2, The New Batch in 1990, Batman Return of the Joker in 91, and the last game they're credited for, and this is because of, the, he did Blaster Master, he's credited in Blaster Master Zero in 2017 because of right. the original music. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, you can't forget Journey to Silius. No. I mean, that's... Fester's Quest... There's so many. Euphoria, the saga. Like, I, I just don't want to read the entire resume. Sure, here. for sure. But yeah, yeah that, just so many, so many good games. Um, mm-hmm. Check out everything by Naomi yeah, Kodaka. Definitely. Uh, this was his last official brand new game in the sense that, you know, new music mm. that he was credited for was was this game. Yeah, because the, the two things after that are like fan, uh, the, the Above Was Big Adventure and Blaster yep. Master, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he ended up becoming a professor or a teacher at a music college, or a, or he's teaching music somewhere at a, at a Japanese Ooh. college, so. Oh, good. 
Yeah. I was worried yeah. that the, this was his last game because he passed away. So that's no, that's no, no. Yeah, no. He's still alive and kicking. It's just he doesn't do anything with video games anymore. I'm sure that he's got students coming up to him right and left being like, you did Blaster Master, you did Fester's Quest. And he's like, how do you know what those games are? So what we got next is a game that you picked for me. And I'll be honest, I've never played this one. I've heard of it. I know of it. But it was always one of those games that I was like, it doesn't seem like it's a game for me. But it's called Destroy All Humans. And the track is called Beyond the Stars. That's the song that I picked. And it's a soundtrack composed by Gary Scheiman. Out there. 
what could these godlike beings teach us of the path to peaceful coexistence? What the? Hey, you can't come in here. We're on the. What are you doing? No, no, please, have mercy! I'm fucking Oh man, welcome back to XVGM Radio. Or should I say, welcome back to XVGM Radio. <laughs> that was Destroy All Humans, the PS2 and Xbox game that came out in 2005. That was Beyond the Stars, and it was by Gary Scheiman. More at 11. Yeah, that uh, that mid-Atlantic or transatlantic accent. Transatlantic, yep. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was so, so That was good. a really good track. I'm so glad you picked that one. It's got it's got this really <laughs> cool like trip hop vibe. Trip hop isn't a genre that I listen to often, but the little bit that I do that I do, do listen to, I really enjoy, and I feel like this fits right in with a lot of that. Yeah, I agree, and it also has a little bit of industrial vibes mm-hmm. too, especially using the words as kind of like a like a percussion mm-hmm. instrument, like, like stars, yep. stars. Yeah, with that fading of that, and it just stays and persists and it just it becomes this like beat that you you kind of you know bob and weave to while you're listening to it this is just such a groovy fun song so i get a lot out of it i get like uh almost like a industrial a little bit of groove like this was just perfect just really blown away at this song pretty much this soundtrack made me want to play the game yeah sure. and so i'm i'm surprised that you haven't uh, that you've never touched this. Um, uh, so the, yeah. the reason that I picked this, uh, not, not anything really major, this game itself, just I know it has a really fun soundtrack. Uh, and I'm also just sort of interested to see, you know, for one, wh- what you pick, uh, or which we saw, and uh, and just your thoughts on the series, because I thought that you might, I thought you had played the series. So I, I'm guessing you don't really have any thoughts on the series. <laughs> no, I've never played it. It's always been one of those things where I was like, all right, it's kind of like a Mars attack sort of thing, that, that whole like Cold War. Yeah era alien invasion movies you know even stuff earlier like this islander can be yours if the price is right Uh, yes that sort of thing. yeah no exactly like this movie (laughs) or yeah movie this game was a was a send-up of that whole like genre of of b movie alien invasion type stuff uh and it's also kind of like a I don't know if I'd call it a GTA clone, because I, I don't think it, it quite is, but it reminds me a lot of sort of GTA, I would say more like more Saints Row and Crackdown because of how some of the, some of the stuff works. Uh, Saints Row, I make the connection, I think, probably because of what happens later on in the series. Oh, right. But also yep. with yep. just yep. the way that it doesn't really take itself very seriously. Um, like th- things can mm. just get really loopy and really silly. Um, but I mean, you're in, the, in this game, you're playing as an alien named Cryptosporidium 137. All of the aliens are references to like viruses or bacteria or parasites and stuff like that. And okay. you are like in the first game you you're you're on earth because Cryptosporidium 136 your predecessor crashed and was captured in Roswell so you're trying to get him back and uh and, and clear all evidence and everything and along the way you mess with a lot of people <laughs> but the, uh, the the main character is voiced by the guy who does Zim from Invader Zim so oh my god are you yeah, for real it's either the oh I have it, to play it's either this the game. main guy or the secondary guy but it's it's uh it, it might it might actually be Orthopox but I I haven't played it in so long I do know that one of the prominent voices is Zim and it's it's totally Zim's voice too 
Oh my god, I love Invader Zim. Oh, this this total. I need this game like now. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, but I mean, the the GTA style stuff, like you know, there's missions and whatnot. Sometimes you have to like go find people. You have different powers, different weapons that you can find or that are on your ship. Uh, like you can mind control people okay. and make people do things. You can get in your saucer and fly around and blow stuff up. It's, it's oh my crazy. god, this sounds so good. I love those types of games. I love games that don't take themselves yeah. seriously. Like, just really goofy, fun, stupid <laughs> fun. Like, that is my jam right there. Anything that, like, oh, man, there's so many games, modern games that come out. And nothing against them. I know everybody's got their fans. But, like, Last of Us and, like, all these games that are, like, they make you want to think about stuff. And they make Literally. you want to reflect on your own life. And I'm like, yo, I just want to be a wacky alien blowing I mean, stuff especially up. Especially like, right now. I mean, in the middle of a quarantine with everything else going on, that just, you know, makes me feel like things aren't things aren't in a good place and like I, yeah. I want to play something that doesn't make me also feel like things are in a bad place like I want to play yes. something silly or something just fun I, I don't want to mm -hmm. play a game and be like wow the world sucks and and this game yep. makes me think that everything yeah it's just, it's, yeah no I totally 100% agree this composer I've never heard of before uh, Gary Scheiman I believe is how you pronounce his name it's S-C-H-Y-M-A-N yeah. uh, yeah so he started off with Voyeur in 1993 and then did the sequel three years later and he didn't really do much until Destroy All Humans came out in 2005 where he was the composer on that so I guess he also jumped around and did some of the other Destroy All Humans games because I guess there's been a few mm -hmm. but I don't see him doing the soundtrack on the remastered version of the game so I don't know if they scrapped the soundtrack or what but I need to find out before I buy the game because I I need the soundtrack for sure <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the audio samples and everything too just like the this this mm -hmm. is like I call him a quote-unquote crazy guy. Just like he's, he's the guy talking about aliens in 1959. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's that's also when the game is set is 1959. That whole like Roswell area type of uh, type of thing. Okay. But yeah, just that the transatlantic cool, cool. aliens are real, and we wanna we wanna we wanna befriend them. And I'm, I'm pretty sure this is uh, th this whole all the the audio samples are taken from a scene in the game. All all the women are named Barbara. Barbara, go get me that thing, will you? <laughs> yes. No. That sort of thing. And all the men are named either Charles or Stephen. Steve. Has to be Stephen, not Steve. Stephen. And Charles is sometimes called so. Chaz. <laughs> yeah, Chaz. Hey, Chaz, how's it going today? Oh, Barbara, it's going swell. How about you? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> I could probably have an entire Mid-Atlantic conversation with myself. Just like, top of the morning to you. you know? <laughs> Good stuff. And I also wanted to mention Gary Scheiman also did the soundtracks for some really popular games like Bioshock, Bioshock 2, uh, Bioshock Infinite. Uh, so he is a big name in modern video game music. So yeah, he's done tons of stuff going forward. So it's neat. He kind of like made these two game soundtracks and then was like, yo, peace, I'm going to go do something else. Came back to just destroy, to do Destroy All Humans. And then from there has just been killing it ever since with some really cool stuff. Yeah. A lot of like really important period pieces in video game history absolutely yeah now the, the bioshock series and whatnot mm -hmm. good, good yeah. stuff yeah so you may be wondering you're you're sitting here and you're going now they haven't gotten the call in a while well we gave janine the night off just so you guys know and the reason for that is uh you know this was our homework assignment so we didn't want somebody you know turn the phone lines off we gave janine the night off 
You know, we're on autopilot. So, she, she, just yeah, she sent it home with a big old box of triscuits. Yes, yeah, mm, delicious triscuits. <laughs> I, I bet she's eating the uh, the cracked pepper and olive oil ones because those are the best. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right, let's uh, so, let's go into yeah. your next pick for me, which is a game that mm-hmm. uh, I, I've heard you talk about, or a series rather that I've heard you talk about a lot at length in different podcasts at parties, <laughs> uh, and. Despite all that, I've in my sleep. <laughs> oh yeah, that one time we went to the convention. No, that yeah, yeah, that one time we went to the convention, or that one time that you snuck into my house and like listened to me talk about it, about it. <laughs> that too. <laughs> well, I was sleeping. But um, yes. yeah, and despite all that, I still don't think I've ever seen any gameplay of, the, of, of any of these. But so this okay. is Ease Eight yep. Lacrimosa of Dana, and this came out on the PS Vita originally in 2016, but also on the PS4 in 2017, and the Switch and PC in 2018. And the track is called Smash Up, and it was composed by Hayato Sonata, Takehiro Unisuga, Yukihiro Jindo, and Mitsuo Singa. This Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, get ready to turn on your television and take it easy on the BCC's latest hit action sitcom based on the Ease video game franchise. Take it easy. Well, Adol, we finally made it to this random island that some fortune teller told us about. What do you say your old pal Dogie here grabs us some vittles, eh? You gotta be starving. Oh yeah, I forgot. You never talk. 
But the boys end up finding trouble on their quest for yummies. Halt, seafarers! My name's Reginald, and I'm here to fight you because I hate you. Even though, uh, we just met. Boy, who writes this stuff? Am I right? <laughs> Looks like you need to taste my fists and Adol's blade. But before the duo and bad guy fight for the flakiest of reasons, a questionably young and vulnerable girl appears. Wait! Before you fight each other, you must help me save my sister from the mountains of perilous caverns! Or... something. Boy, that sounds dangerous, but who moves the plot along? Wanna have a wacky adventure, Adol? He's in. Are... you sure? Totally. It's in his contract as a hero. Oh, thank you so much, sirs! Hey, no sweat, Miss Girl Lady. Now, before we go, let's find some grub and take it easy. <laughs> but, but, but what about me? Sounds like you need to take it easy. <laughs> oh, I can't stay mad at you boys for nonsensical reasons. What a bunch of lovable characters. Catch all the excitement at 8 p.m. Eastern, only on the BCC Network. And right after that, stick around for the heart-pounding, nail-biting, drama-infused moments that will make you question your life decisions. The reality hit TV show, Real Housewives of Wall Market, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it. Welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was E's 8 Lacrimosa of Zool. <laughs> what? There is no Dana, only Zool. Oh, you got me. Uh, I did. So E's 8 Lacrimosa of Dana, that which came out in the PS Vita in 2016, PS4 in 2018, and the Switch and PC in 2018. The track was called Smash Up, and it was composed by Hayato Sonata, Takehiro Unisuga, Yukihiro Jindo and Mitsuo Singa. Yeah, man. So good. So energetic. This takes place during, like, boss fights. Yeah, no, this, this definitely felt like a fighting track. I was going to guess it was a boss fight, just based on the energy and, and everything else. But, yeah, no, very, very blatantly fighting music. And, man, I... So, uh, I was saying this before we came back, but... I was getting some serious... At first, it was just kind of Final Fantasy X vibes, uh, because Final Fantasy X had a pretty, like, rock-based soundtrack. Yeah. But there are a number of pieces of this that actually call back, to me anyway, to Otherworld, which is a Final Fantasy X track, but specifically the Black Mages version of it. So Nobuo Uramatsu's band, back from 2003, 4, whenever. And, like, if you listen to their version of Otherworld uh, and then listen to this... They're not the same song by any means, but there are a lot of similarities, and this, I, I think that's a big credit to this track and just how much it rocks. Hmm. It's interesting that you haven't played this because you should have, and how dare you? <laughs> I mean, my, my list of, of stuff that I need to play is uh, about as long as stuff that I need to watch, and I'm never going to get to all of it. <laughs> so I started off with Ease three wanders from ease on the super hmm. nes that was the first experience i had with an ease game and i i really liked it but it was really difficult like so brutally difficult but i loved the music 
And I didn't really pick the series back up until Ark of Nepishtim, and that's just because uh, the series stayed in Japan for the future releases for Ease 4 and 5. So 6 came out on PS2, and it did get brought over to North America, and I played through a little bit of it. I remember picking it up pretty cheap used, and I liked it. And so I kind of kept my eye on the series ever since then. And this was the first Ease game that I bought at launch. I got the PS4 like crazy collector's limited edition or whatever. And uh, it's a really cool game. We would always joke around about how the music was so much like they put all the budget into the music and the (laughs) visuals and the characters and the animations and stuff were not as important and that the music had to be like top tier. So Ease has always been kind of known as this franchise that has this incredible music, and this is obviously no different with uh, (laughs) this really hyper-energetic guitar-driven piece that kind of ends up becoming this techno thing towards the end, this electron thing. Yeah, that's actually something that I wanted to touch on as well. It's rocking, it's got this, this awesome like metal sound, what I wrote down is, and then they called the techno crowd, but only for a moment... And then towards the end, it actually comes back, like just like those electronic beats that are just in there. I, I don't know that I've ever heard anything quite like that before. I probably have and just don't remember, but like it kicked it up so much. Uh, I, like I just, I, I didn't expect it. I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah. And it added so much like depth to it. I was like, why, why don't we do this for all metal? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a really good soundtrack. The whole soundtrack is great. Uh, they redid the entire English dub. There were a lot of people who were super angry that the dub wasn't accurate and there was a lot more like there was a character in there who was like had a lot of farty jokes and you know like that sort of (laughs) stuff and so it wasn't exact and accurate there was a different company that was working on it It was nis instead of exceed exceed games kind of took over the franchise for a while everyone was really really happy from what i understand about the level of detail that they would put into Falcom's games for the Ease series. And so when NIS took over, a lot of people were really skeptical and they were kind of proven right in the sense that NIS released this kind of botched version of the game. I'll be honest with you, I didn't really notice it on a personal level. It didn't really bother me, but I wanted to go back and see what the differences were so I was waiting on the update to come through and it finally came through and I think what ended up happening was I upgraded my hard drive on my PlayStation 4 Mm. so I never went back and like reinstalled the game I reinstalled the DLC but I never reinstalled the game to play it you know I'll eventually do it and play it but yeah that's the Mm. name of the game so Ease 9 is coming out it's been announced I think it's either out or going to be out very soon in Japan, and Ease 9 is coming to America next year in 2021. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely recommend you start with this one. It's a good jump-on point for the franchise where you can kind of get a hang of the action RPG vibes in this game. You could hear the amazing music. You could play the game. You know, The cast members are always different except for Adol and Dogie. Okay, so they so they're in every game. Yep, they are. Those two are in every game. I believe Dogie's in every game. I know Adol is definitely in every game. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's good stuff. So these composers, real quick, uh, Hayato Sonata started Sonata. off with Sonoda. Brandish Four in 1998, and then did some E stuff, and then Legend of Heroes. They did some Legend of Heroes games as well. 
Cold Steel. Oh, Trails of Cold Steel, yeah. Yeah, Cold Steel 2, Cold Steel 3, and Trails in the Sky 3rd in 2017. What about the rest of the composers? So Takahiro Unisuga started out doing music and sounds on Xanadu Next in 2005, uh, and then jumped into Ease for Ease Origin, 1 and 2 Chronicles, Oath of the Felgana, Memories of Salsetta. They also worked on the Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky, and Trails of Cold Steel series, along with uh, Mr. Sonoda. Yukihiro Jindo started out with Legends of Heroes Trails in the Sky in 2004 doing music and composition, jumped over to do Ease, The Oath in Felgana, and Origin in 2005 and 2006, as well as some of the same games that, uh, that I mentioned for Mr. Unisuga. Most recently, they were composer on Soul Calibur VI in 2018. Yes. And then finally, we have Mitsuo Singa, who started out with this in 2017, went on to do Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus in 2017, uh, and then was on the sound team for Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3 in 2017. Yeah, a lot of the uh, guys are newer sound guys for the most part. None of the old uh, Ease Falcom sound team is really around. A lot of them are just became free agents and uh, move on, yeah. moved on to other things. Oath and Felgana, it's worth noting, is a remake of Wanderers from Ease which is Eus oh. 3. So, I yeah, I picked this one because I'm pretty sure that you weren't familiar with it, and it, I thought it was a great introduction to it, at least musically, as far as the yeah. franchise goes. So, uh, what do you think? You're going to pick this one up after hearing it? Yeah, I'm going to take a look. Uh, I do have some free time for games, so I'll have to see uh, where and how I can get this. Mm-hmm. Word. All right, All right, we're moving to a game that you picked for me. I'm going to be honest, I'm not a fan. <laughs> this is Tasmania. <laughs> came out on the Super NES in 1992. This track is Kiwi Roadside, and it's by Mitchell Stein. Thank you. 
Hey, welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was Tasmania. And that came out in the Super NES in 1992. The track was Kiwi Roadside, and it was by Mitchell Stein. I gotta ask, Justin, <laughs> why did you pick this? So, folks will understand more after the next track that we play, and, and I talk about <laughs> <laughs> the goings-on there. <laughs> but there, there were a number of reasons. I, I wanted to give you something that was more of a struggle than anything else because you are really good at finding good tracks like i can't remember anything that that i was just like oh that sucks like you're <laughs> you're really good at finding like finding good stuff and even if it's not something that i'm like Thanks. totally into it's still something that, that i can at least groove to so i wanted to give you something and, and see what you would find out of it and okay. admittedly this was probably a little bit more difficult than it should have been because i don't know that there's really anything particularly great on the soundtrack i do own this game the game itself is fun but as folks can probably attest to after hearing that the music on it is not anything that that keeps you playing the game there's also a bit where like i have a penchant for some some of these looney tunes type games like you know buster bust loose daffy and the marvin missions we haven't played on this show yeah you know i don't think i've played a single taz game that i liked <laughs> though i did play a track from that taz wanted game yes yes and that was pretty good. Uh, that song that I picked was good. So maybe Taz games got better after the you know 16-bit era. <laughs> That's possible. I mean, yeah. absolutely. I will say some of the things that I pulled out of this were that the drums kind of remind me of Donkey Kong Country drums in in some of the levels. Like yeah. they're they're very like DKC bongos. Uh, and yeah. the bass line, aside from being sort of the only thing in in the track uh i found the baseline to be to be kind of funky and uh if there was more to it i could really groove to it unfortunately because it's so minimalist there wasn't a whole lot of grooving going on this sounds like a donkey kong country track got thrown up on by like polka music <laughs> because it's got that you know polka beat I don't know. I didn't know Super NES could twarp that hard. <laughs> let, let me put it that way. I, that's, I just—that's fair. That's fair. I uh, yeah. I apologize to both you and our listeners. <laughs> oh, my ears. Yeah, I was not feeling it. Uh, it was not a good track. And uh, no, sir, I don't like it. That's fair. That's fair. I. This was the most serviceable track. I could find, which is kind of like saying this had the least amount of bird poop on it. So, you know, this this picnic bench had the least amount of bird poop on it. This Triscuit had the least amount of bird poop on it. Oh, (laughs) let's let's talk about Michael Stein and we can we'll we'll just move on. Mitchell Stein did only four games. Tasmania in 92, Clay Fighter in 1993, Mm. Dominus in 94 and Clay Fighter Tournament Edition in 94. And then they kind of, you know pieced out this is based on the tasmania cartoon but there were multiple versions of this game that came out all published and developed by different companies the super nes version was developed by visual concepts and published by sunsoft so the game is basically just an action platformer where you play as taz and he's searching for a giant egg really that's all you need to know I've not played this one. I would not play this one, even if the game was good. The music is not, so I would probably not play it. Oh yeah, no, you would totally be turned off by this. It's it's yeah, a very yeah. odd game too, because it's um, the perspective is behind Taz, and it's almost like an F Zero type game. Like you have a track and a road, and you're more or less like running 
to get to the eggs and and, and whatever else. Um, I've, That's super weird. Yeah, it's it's a very very odd game. I mostly own it because I like Taz, and it's it's an interesting game. Like it's fun for a little while. Um, I never really play it for more than I guess a little while. I, I can't even tell you how many minutes. It's uh, it's it's entertaining, <laughs> but it it loses its it it loses its entertainment value relatively quickly because it doesn't control very well. Taz and Escape from Mars was a uh, sort of a sequel or a pseudo sequel. That's more of a you know side-scrolling action game where you play as Taz again in his Escape from Mars. That one's not good. Uh, a mutual friend of ours, our buddy Eric, told me and suckered me into getting this game. He was like, "Oh, you got to get Taz Escape from Mars because it was just when I got a Genesis." <laughs> and he is such a huge Genesis fan. He was like, "Oh, you got to get Taz Escape from Mars. That's such a good game." And I bought it and I was like. Oh, you're that kind of person? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. You would have to know Eric to know. Yeah. Either way, speaking of the worst, uh, so the reason, part of the reason that uh, that I picked out Tasmania for you is because of one of the games you picked out for me, uh, and that's coming yes. up next. So this is Mega Man X7. You poor soul. Yeah. This came out on the PS2 in 2003. I chose Underground, uh, the tunnel base stage, and... This was composed by Yuko Komiyama, Shinya Okada, Seiko Kobuchi, Naoto Tanaka, Makoto Asai, Teruo Konishi, Suichi Mizohata, Noriyuki Iwadare, and Takuya Miyawaki.
Hey, thank you for sticking with us through all of that. That was actually a pretty good <laughs> song from a pretty bad game. Mega Man X7 came out in the PS2 in 2003. That was Underground Tunnel Base Stage by a bunch of people that we'll talk about later because there's too many names. Yeah, it's yeah. such a shame that this song is in this game because the song is great. I really yeah. dig this song that you picked. Yeah. Admittedly, as I, I was saying just before we kind of came back, this game was terrible, but the soundtrack was not terrible. There's a, a handful of songs that I don't care for, but for the most part, there it was a really good, it was a really good soundtrack. Um, I in this track in particular, like I really love the bass. I called it full body bass, and I mean you can yeah. take that however you want, but it was. <laughs> It just like so rich and deep in that sound, and and I really liked it. the The song itself reminds me. I, f- I feel like it's reminiscent of the music from X Four. Maybe it's reminiscent of X Five and Six as well. But like X Four is what I have the most nostalgia for. Um, but it so it reminds me a little bit of that, but like kicked up a notch. Like the yeah. like, the music in X Four wasn't this like thumping or anything else. It was it was good, but this just there was so much more to the sound here. Yeah, it had a real funk vibe with that bass. Mm-hmm. It was just like really funky. Yeah, I was definitely bobbing my head to this one. <laughs> and I was enjoying it quite a bit. And it's such a shame because the game is so bad. I This is the worst Mega Man game I've ever played. Last episode, we talked about you know a lot of Mega Man stuff. And we, we ranked our games. And my the lowest ranked game for me, I believe, was Mega Man 7. And it's funny because uh, I, I said before we started recording today, when, when I first saw this, it was part of the reason that, that I gave you Taz is I, I kept seeing it as Mega Man 7, Mega Man 7 every time I was looking at it. And then eventually my brain processed the X and I was just like, oh, man, really? <laughs> like, I think it's the only game that I like less than Mega Man 7. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. You did. Yeah, I did. I just... Uh, I, I don't know. I wanted to see if you could actually salvage a good song out of a, a garbage game, and uh, you did. And I so, did. bravo for you. So, uh, I guess we should probably explain why we're dumping on this game so badly. <laughs> I mean, do, do we need to? Is, is it not well known throughout the uh, world? <laughs> I mean, no, no, I know. Um, it's, uh, I mean, the, the biggest issue that I had that with this game, outside of everything else, was were the controls. Like, when it yeah. first came out, my, my friend got it. So th- there were three people, including myself, that were big, big Mega Man fans. Mega Man X4, absolute favorite. Mega Man X5 was a lot of fun. Mega Man X6 was, was pretty good. I, I thought the weird changing up how they were naming things was, uh, was a little bit odd. But overall, yeah. I didn't think it was bad. And then Mega Man X7 came out, and I didn't get it first. My buddy did. Uh, and I was watching him play it, and I thought it was really neat how they were trying to introduce like some of the 3D aspects. Like the, instead of this just being a straight left left side of the screen to the right side of the screen mm. platformer, now there were like these these 3D elements, and sometimes like the screen would turn. Um, unfortunately, when we actually got to those parts in the game, it just completely screwed us over. Like the the controls were so terrible, it was hard to 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 get the characters to do what we wanted to do, and mm. we we died so frequently. Not because we were bad at the game. Well, maybe, maybe we're bad at the game because we couldn't control it. But when your controls are bad, your game is bad. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, control wise, it was pretty bad. Uh, personally, I had more hatred of the character mm-hmm. Axel than anything. So whenever I think of X7, I think of Axel, 
and then I think of the bad controls, and I'm just like, yo, I hate you, Axel. <laughs> You're like the Kitty Kong of Mega Man games. Mm. See, I didn't oh. mind Axel as much. Uh, like, I, I, I thought he was a little annoying, but I, like, for the most part, like, I was just, like, the writing, I, I wasn't big on the writing, but I, I did like the fact that they were trying to introduce a new character and a new mechanic. Like, you know, you had X for the longest time, and then they let like, you play Zero and Three, and then they let you really play Zero and Four. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. I thought it was, like, that was a really cool way to add a new gameplay mechanic. And then for this, with Axel being, like, this just humanoid reploid with a gun, but he could transform into the Mavericks that whose powers that, that you're stealing, I thought that was really nifty because it's one of the things that I always kind of wanted to do is, like, I, I really like Magma Dragoon from X4, and I always yeah. wanted to play as Magma Dragoon. But, you know, it, it, it isn't to be. Uh, <laughs> but with Axel, like, you can actually play as temporarily the uh the maverick so i thought that was really neat nope dumb stupid <laughs> hate okay. him hate hate I mean, axel okay. <laughs> fiery passion it's just i found him so annoying oh he's the worst i hated everything about axel anyways so it. yeah so these composers let's let's do one each so yuko komiyama uh, I'm going to call out Monster Hunter World uh, in 2018. They were the composer on that. Uh, I really enjoyed that game, so good job. <laughs> Shinya Okada, Zack and Wiki, Quest for Barbaro's Treasure in 2007. Good stuff. Uh, I believe you, you, you turned me on to Zack and Wiki. Yes, I did. Yeah, a while ago. So, yep. uh, Seiko Kobuchi, Mega Man X Command Mission in 2004. Uh, they were a sound composer on that. Axel was nice. in that game, too. Ugh, <laughs> that, that was the Mega me. Man X RPG. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I'm not. Kind of I'm not even joking. That is the only reason why I haven't played that game. Because I'm like, oh, it, that's cool. It's like an RPG, like a JRPG, and it's got Mega Man X, and it's got Zero, and it's got, uh, you know, all the other X characters. And then I'm like, oh, but it's got Axel. Give it a try. Uh, if I remember correctly, not that they changed Axel's character a ton, but I think they, I think they toned down his annoyingness in that. Oh, good. But uh, so Naoto Tanaka. Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, they did sound. Makoto Asai with Grandia 2 in 2000. They did electric and acoustic guitar in that game. Hmm. Teruo Konishi did SD Gundam G Generation Genesis in 2016. Mm-hmm. Shuichi Mizohata did Beautiful Joe Red Hot Rumble in 2005. Mm-hmm. Noriyuki Iwadare did too many things. Yes. Uh, in fact, they are credi- they're credited on Ease 3, Wander from Ease in 1991. We'll, uh, yep. we'll go with that. Yeah. And then finally, Takuya Miyawaki. They did sound on Mega Man 4, 5, X5, and then X7. Cool. Yes. What do we got coming up next for you? All right. So we're going with a game that I've never played. And uh, that's no surprise because we've been picking a lot of games for each other that we've never played. This is Red Dead Redemption. This came out on the Xbox 360, the PlayStation 3, in 2010. This track that I picked is called Estensia, and it's by Bill Elm and Woody Jackson. Thank you. 
Hey, welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was Red Dead Redemption. This came out in 2010 on the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3. This track was called Estancia, and it was by Bill Elm and Woody Jackson. So I gotta, I gotta wonder why you, why you picked this one. So, uh, I mean, we've talked about it before. We we both like westerns, and, and as mm-hmm. far as like western type games or games with western settings or whatever this is my favorite um so i kind of figured this would be sort of an easy one for you don't you own red dead redemption no nope, oh, okay i do not you do own red dead nope. revolver I, I know i've seen that in your collection i do so i yeah I, I made another assumption here thinking that you have played red dead redemption because of our shared enjoyment of westerns all that aside, the music from this game and the music on the soundtrack is fantastic. It is very Western. It is very appropriate. And I, I figured it would both be easy because the, the music's good and maybe a little difficult because I don't know how many tracks you enjoyed, but I, I figured there <laughs> might be a few favorites for you in there. Yeah, I enjoyed most of the stuff that I heard from the soundtrack. But the thing is, it all sounds like movie sound, like either actual music or actual western movie soundtrack stuff right right and i mean it's, it's all stuff that's composed uh for the game in fact the soundtrack has a number of tracks that were composed using instruments and stems from the game but that weren't actually in the game and this is one of those tracks this track was actually used in a short movie by john hillcote that aired on fox it was a red dead redemption like short film and this oh. track was used in that and it's on the game soundtrack and it's not actually in the game Oh wow, that's super weird. Yeah, yeah, it, I, I, I didn't, I didn't realize it until much more recently. Otherwise, I would have said something because I know we usually try to play stuff that's from the game. Uh, but all, yeah, all yeah. that being said, like this track was composed for the world or whatever. Yeah, same instrumentation, same style yeah. and, and whatnot. Yeah, I was digging it. It was cool, and I don't know if it made me want to play the game, but it made me want to watch a western movie. Let me put it that way. That's fair, and I mean that's that, that's kind of what. <laughs> playing the game that's one of the reasons that i really like these games but i enjoy these games because playing them is sort of like watching western one of my favorite things to do is is sort of like just zone out on horseback and and ride around the land i think that's one of the reasons why i never picked this one up is because it felt too big to me whereas red dead revolver had a much more arcade like feeling to it with the cards there was a huge Mm. emphasis on playing cards like using playing cards as power-ups to your advantage and i don't know if red dead redemption continued that i know both games were done by rockstar Mm -hmm. but red dead revolver was published by capcom yep that was kind of the reason why i picked it up because i was like "Ooh, a capcom western Mm. i was like done i didn't really know about rockstar back then i was just kind of like going with the capcom flow if you will (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I really dug Red Dead Revolver. And so I saw Red Dead Redemption and was like, oh, cool, they finally made a sequel. But it was more of a reboot with a new character, if I recall. I don't think that it was an actual sequel. Yeah, I think they're related, but I don't remember if it was truly a reboot or if it was a, a sequel that focused on another character. I mean, yeah. the main character of Red Dead Redemption is uh, John Marston and... The, I mean, the main character of Red Dead Redemption 2, which is actually a prequel to Red Dead Redemption, is a character that is not even mentioned or anything in Red Dead Redemption 1, which is one of the reasons that I want to get through this is to find out because, like, you meet John Marston. He's part of the same gang that, that you're in. So I'm like, mm-hmm. why did why, why was the character that I'm playing as now, 
why does he have nothing to do with anything in, in, the, in right, the right, right, right the the first game. So there, there's mm-hmm. that air of mystery there. But yeah, I mean these, these mm-hmm. games, they're also you know referred to as like Grand Theft Horse, Grand Theft Carriage. It's it's GTA in the Wild West, and it's crazy because I, I I can never get into the GTA games, but for whatever reason, maybe it's just the setting. Like I I really got into Grand Theft Horse. Grand Theft Horse. <laughs> That's funny. I never heard that before. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier with uh, Destroy All Humans. But yeah, I don't know. This one looks super serious and detailed, and it kind of turns me off a little bit with how serious it looks. But at the same time, like I know I'm going to be in for a good story because I've heard it's really good. The, the story is fantastic. It's one of the things that I love the most about it. I will say it does take itself seriously for the most part. If you really get into a lot of the stuff, there are a number of things that they do that, that kind of back off from that. Like There's a lot of Western tropes that they try to subvert. There are some right. silly things that are in there that, that you can find um, if, if you're mm-hmm. looking for them. But overall, like the story itself is, I mean, it, it's called Red redemption because the story itself is supposed to be about this guy redeeming himself right he, he used to be part of a gang the whole story of this is but you're basically hunting down old guys from your gang because the government uh, has more or less pressured you into it they're just like hey uh you can either rot in jail or you can help us find your old gang um, gang members and, and put them away and so uh, you know you right. have a wife and a kid like, you left the gang you left that life a long time ago and you're just trying to live and so you're like whatever pick up my gun let's get going um i didn't like those guys much anyway Mm -hmm. so bill elm only did this game and woody jackson has done a few games mostly with rockstar so red dead redemption 2010 uh he's credited for quote unquote the local population i don't know what that means but i believe he's the main composer Uh, he's also did la noir the complete Hmm. edition in 2011, Grand Theft Auto V in 2013, and then Red Dead Redemption 2 in 2018. Nice, nice. So, uh, let's move on to my next pick for you. Yes, last one for me. So, uh, you picked Power Quest, which is a Game Boy Color game that came out in 1998. The track that I chose is called 1995, and it was composed by Kumiko (laughs) Fujiwara.
Welcome back to uh, XVGM Radio. That was my final track of the episode. The game was Power Quest, which came out in the Game Boy Color in 1998. The track was 1995, and it was composed by Kumiko Fujiwara. That it was. You can't go wrong with this soundtrack. I've known about it and enjoyed the soundtrack for ages now, several years. And now it's your turn to discover it. So <laughs> I kind of feel like it's one of the best Game Boy Color soundtracks out there. So that is why I picked it for you. Thank you, because it was a lot of fun. It was kind of hard to pick a track from this one. There, there was a lot of stuff that I, that I really enjoyed, and I, I kind of went back and forth on some of the stuff mm. for a while. I think I picked this track yesterday. That's how long I was sitting on it. <laughs> Thank you for, for showing me the soundtrack, because it's fantastic. But this track in particular was just so much fun. There's so many so many things. There's so much going on here. There's so much that I like about it. Mm-hmm. For one, like this has my favorite type of like drums slash snares. Uh, just like the really crunchy... Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. On the, on the bass. Mm-hmm. It, I really like those kind of drum sounds, like when they're on the NES or whatever else. We've, I've talked about it probably to death in previous episodes, but <laughs> it's, it's just, I don't know, it, it's a sound that, that makes me happy. Huh. Uh, and then on top of that, you've got this really just driving bass line, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do going on yeah. and just keeping everything going. And then you've got this melody that's just like out of this world, like it's soaring and it just feels really well thought out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just... I'm I'm in love with this track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a good track, and it's a good soundtrack. This is my one of my less favorite ones. I think the sustain on the note kind of kills it for me, where it's like I feel like it goes on a little too long, like it kind of overstays it, its welcome. But I mean, you know, picking a bad song on this soundtrack is like you know, <laughs> uh, picking your favorite way to kill Axel in Mega Man X Seven. You know, like there's there's no wrong way to do it. You just got to do it. So, I don't know. Yeah, this uh, this game is a weird one, and I think you would like it, personally. I think this game is tailor-made for Justin. It is a role-playing game and a fighting game, all in hmm. one. And it has a lot of RPG elements. Uh, you're fighting as, m- like, these model robots, and uh, you're trying to, like, enter tournaments, and, like, up. you're always trying to update your your robot with new parts so uh you walk around towns and you beat up you know opponents kind of like a pokemon style in a way where you use your robots to get you know the opponents defeated and then from that you can win money to be able to buy new parts that way you can enter more tournaments so uh the actual fighting itself is more of a fighting game mode and then you know you're going around town at talking to people and you know, the visuals are great. Really, really good, strong NES era style visuals on the Game Boy Color. And music's great. Controls are tight. I mean, just the whole thing. It's It's got the complete package. If there's any game on the Game Boy Color that's a hidden gem, it's this one right here. Hmm, nice. Do you do you own this? Is it this one in America? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, came out in America, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it nice. was published by Capcom. In oh, some okay. regions. I believe it was also published by Sunsoft in other regions. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a look at some of the, the, the screenshots. And, I mean, for a Game Boy Color game, this looks really good. Considering the, the limited uh, inputs and, and whatnot on the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color, I'm, I'm curious as to like, how it actually mechanically plays. But it mm. looks it look, looks really good for, for a Game Boy Color fighting RPG or whatever. <laughs> 
It's interesting because the composer, Kumiko Fujiwara, this is the only mm-hmm. game he's done audio on, from what I understand. Oh. All the other games that he's worked on, for Capcom at least, were all like, you know, Zelda, Minish Cap, Mega Man Battle Network 6, Mega Man Star Force. So all those games, he's done like texture design, modeling, 3D modeling, animation, cinematic animators, artists. So how he got pulled into doing audio for this game, I have no idea, but this was clearly his in. Yeah, I was going to say, well, what's interesting is that on Moby Games, this is the first thing like the earliest thing on his profile is yeah. power quest 1998 the next thing after that is character design on final fantasy 2 II in 2001 and final fantasy origins in 2002 he was a designer so like mm. it, it's almost like he started with audio and with power quest and yeah. was such a good soundtrack like i'm curious as to what happened here like maybe he just didn't have a good time maybe like it may have come out well but yeah. i i would imagine it, it it had to have been just not his bag and he went on to do a whole bunch of really cool um, arts and graphics. I mean, he, he also did like some cinematic. He was a cinematic animator in Monster Hunter World Iceborne, which yep. came out in twenty nineteen, and that's that's a game that I own and have very much enjoyed. So, like, awesome! Like, you've done great music and and great game design. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty weird. It's it's very strange, but I did enjoy this game and this uh, this soundtrack. I've not beaten this one, but I started it and, you know, just really I found the soundtrack first and picked up the game because I found the soundtrack and kind of went from there. Fair enough. So your last game for me mm-hmm. is Solstice, the quest for the staff of Demnos. So I picked the title theme from the NES 1990 game, and it's by Tim Fallon.
Thanks for joining us on our homework episode. That was Solstice, the quest for the staff of Demnos. That was title theme, and it was on the NES in 1990. And that track was by Lord Tim Fallon. (laughs) I love this song. And there's so much that Tim does with this song that it consistently blows me away. I got to say the beginning (laughs) with that. I mean, you're kind of like, all right, what am I getting myself into? And then when you get that that explosion (laughs) of of the bass combined with the drums and the cymbals yes and yes. i think i refer to that as like the smash cut if you know what like a smash cut is in video like th- this always feels like a smash cut for audio to me because you just got like that very flighty that, that you're talking about and then just hits you in the face yeah. and over the head yeah Ugh. yeah yeah so good though so good <laughs> so good and then the track is basically a jethro toll song so yeah yeah that's kind of fair um <laughs> which is not a complaint at no. all, because I love me some Tull. So really, really solid work. And nice instrumentation, mm. too. Like, the instrumentation on this is so good. Like, you can hear the flutes. You can hear the cymbals. Those cymbal crashes the with the white noise. Just, like, the way mm. that he tuned that is just uncanny. Like, nobody has on the NES, nobody has as good sounding cymbals as Tim Fallon, I would say. I probably have to agree you know? with that. Yeah, yeah. I and yeah. The, the the comparing it to the Jethro Tull's albums is actually pretty relevant because I like I wrote down towards the end it kind of feels more medieval like I, there's so much going on throughout a lot of the song that I, I'm just yeah. like lost in it and then as it gets towards the end there's just like almost like a, a ren fair like you can hear like you said the flutes and and, and everything else mm-hmm. and it just it's so well put together I mean there's no surprise yeah. considering it's Tim Fallon but uh, oh for sure. But I feel like he wrote this, and then they were like, great, we're going to put this in the game, but we're going to put it in as the title theme because it's kind of long, and you know we want to kind of grab people as quick as we can. <laughs> but I'll be honest, the rest of the music, it's okay. It's not bad music by any means. I mean, this is Tim Fallon we're talking about here. But I don't know. I don't feel the same connection that I felt with this track. Yeah, a lot of the other stuff to me feels a lot more atmospheric. So in this game, surprisingly, it's one of my favorite NES games. It's not particularly mm-hmm. easy, although if you have like a guide um, to get through it, kind of like if I'm playing Blaster Master. Well, if I'm playing yeah. Blaster Master, I don't need a guide. I need um, I need cheats. It's yeah. such a long game and there's no saving. And that's so difficult. Yeah. 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 But this game, like even with the guide telling you where to go, like a lot of the things that you have to do are really tricky. And I never really felt like the controls were bad in this game. Like for an NES game, especially when I was a kid, this always felt like a really tight game. And I mean, going back even more recently, because I, I do still own this, uh, it's not perfect by any means, but it still feels like it controls pretty well, which which was really neat. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the music is—I always found the music in this game to be really um, just like spot on, because like you're you're going through this like castle and courtyard and whatever else trying to find the staff of Demnos so that you can free I think the princess or your girlfriend her name is Princess Eleanor and you are trying to assemble the six pieces of the staff of Demnos Mm -hmm. to defeat Baron Morbius and rescue Eleanor Baron Morbius that's the one yes 
But yeah, so a lot of this music is, like I said, it's just, it's atmospheric. So like you're, you're walking around and uh, in certain areas, it feels really creepy. And in certain areas, it feels differently creepy. A lot of the music is kind of creepy-ish. Yeah. And that's, I think I don't have a problem with creepy music, but I don't know. I just kind of felt like the title screen kind of blew its proverbial spot for the rest of the soundtrack because it was so good. And the rest of the soundtrack's not bad, but it's just different. So it's like this weird feeling that you get because you want to keep playing the game and you're like, yeah, I want to keep playing and I want to see what happens and everything. But at the same time, yo, that title theme, <laughs> bring that back, you know? Yeah, no, that's for sure. So Tim Fallen, I don't think needs much introduction. Just on the NES alone, Silver Surfer and Pictionary. One of my favorites is Spider-Man X-Men Arcade's Revenge on the Super NES <laughs> specifically. He did Echo the Dolphin, Defender of the Future. He's done a ton of Commodore 64 games and Amiga games. Uh, Ghouls and Ghosts definitely comes to mind. He did the port of Ghouls and Ghosts, and the music is entirely different than any of the Capcom stuff. Mm. So all really cool stuff. I, I definitely dig Tim Fallon's music. I think he's a musician first and a video game music composer second. Hmm. Yeah. So now is the time of the episode where we pick our favorite tracks. So, Justin, what was your favorite song in this entire episode? My picks, your picks, everything. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to say the Destroy All Humans track, Beyond the Stars, is definitely way up there. The Power Quest uh, track, 1995, is is pretty high up there. I also think Mega Man X7, the underground tunnel base stage, is, is up there. I'm just trying to figure out which one of those three is really doing it. You're going with Tasmania, right? Yeah, no, ultimately, it's got to be Kiwi Roadside. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, even the the Ease 8, the Smash Up one, like like I said, it reminds me so much of Black Mages, and and it's great. Mm -hmm. But I think the Beyond the Stars track from Serial Humans that you picked was, was actually the one that surprised me. Because um, like I, I know the the music from that game. I haven't played it as much as my wife uh, by any means. Cause she loves the series, but mm. I don't remember th- this track from the game. So when I, when I heard it, I was just like, "This is awesome." Yep, that's my pick too. Oh wow! Destroy all humans. <laughs> it's so good. It, it just blew me away when I heard it, and I was like, "What is this? I gotta get this game." And then now that we're talking, we talked about the game. I'm like, oh, man, I got to go buy this game. (laughs) So apparently, just as a quick little clarification, the game at the time of this recording is not out yet. It's supposedly coming out in either July or August on the PS4. They're remaking the entire game. Yeah, you're you're talking about the the reboot that they're doing. um, It's supposed to come out in July, like 27th, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it it is the first game remade, basically. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that was was easy. (laughs) Yeah. I've never said that about homework before. (laughs) So we'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon patrons, without whom this show's continued improvement would be impossible. They are Alex Messenger, Scott McElhone, Cam Worma, Chris Hart, Dan Lawton, Chris Murray, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, Jordan and Anson Davis, Chris Myers, Lama Adam, Jeremy Rutz, Peter Panda, Ryan McPherson, Bedroth of the Very Good Music VGM Podcast, Jason Super Jess Doss, Nick Davis, Matthew Hanola, Brad Austin, Muddle Madness, Mixmaster, and The Autistic Gamer 89. 
If you would like to become a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com slash xvgmradio. There you can see the different tiers as well. Just $1 gets you a thank you and access to our monthly live shows. You can visit our website, xvgmradio.com, where you can listen to all the episodes and learn more about your hosts, as well as any of our guests or composers that we've had on the show. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. And if you'd like what you've heard, please consider giving us a rating on iTunes and a review. You can also join our Facebook group and chat with other VGM lovers at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash xvgmradio, where we talk about everything from current game news to sharing awesome VGM tracks or just talking about the podcast itself. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle for both of those sites is at XVGM Radio. If you don't have any other social media or just want to try something unique, check us out on our Discord group chat. Links will be in the show notes. So, next episode, Justin, we are diving deep into a game company, but also more specifically, the game company's sound team. So, in episode 57, we're going to take a look at Taito, uh, and specifically, we're going to dig into the music of Zentata. Yeah, so many good tracks. There's much more beyond the Ninja Warriors track, Daddy Mulk, which I'm sure will get played, <laughs> but uh, there's tons and tons of hidden goodness in Zentata. They are a uh, really amazing sound team. And it'll be great to kind of look at their past and see what they've come up with. Yes. Excited. So for XVGM Radio, this is Mike. And Justin. Signing off. This is the worst Mega Man game I've ever played. I mean. Agreed. And I've played I, 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 Me- and I've played Mega Man Five. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many people are gonna at you. I know. Don't but, at uh, me, bro. Welcome back. That was High Speed Stage 7 from Gradius 5. It came out in the PS2 in 20, 2004. <laughs> that came out. <laughs> uh, this picnic bench had the least amount of bird poop th- on this it. This Triscuit so. had the least amount of bird poop on it. <laughs> oh, don't sully the good name of Triscuits, dear sir. If Janine was listening right now, she would flutter her way to the studio and suck the life out of you, I guess. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I said I would never pick a game with this many composers again, and I held mostly true to it until you broke my streak. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs)